the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. This winter is shaping up to be an incredible time to be a sports fan, and there's no better place to get breaking news, real time commentary, and powerful stories than The Athletic, home to incredible storytellers, relentless reporters, and insightful analysts. The Athletic delivers everything you need in every sports story that matters, including week 13 recaps, which we're going to get to in a bit. Download the app, follow your favorite teams and leagues, and get a personalized feed of ad-free content that you simply cannot get anywhere else. Visit theathletic.com slash spottrack, S-P-O-T-R-A-C, for 40% off your first year subscription. Happy Monday morning. My name is Mike Giannetti. We're going to talk football today quite a bit. Um, I got a little bit in the open here. We're going to bring in Scott Allen, talk a little bit about some numbers, bit of a free agent recap. I've got an article posted on the site on spottrack.com the pending potential quarterback carousel. And we're going to kind of, I wrote that four days ago. It is, (laughs) you know, some of it has aged well. Some of it has not. Scott and I are going to kind of needle through that a little bit and see where, where things stand. And that's kind of going to be the premise of honestly, the next four weeks, right? Because nothing's going to be more important than this quarterback moves, except for maybe one thing. And that's where I want to open. Uh, There's a lot of coaching issues being hammered this morning, big time, positive or negative. Right, I mean Anthony Lynn versus Bill Belichick. That was clear as day. What's going on with Doug Peterson in Philadelphia? And by the way, is there a harder job right now than knowing you probably shouldn't be starting the thirty-three million dollar quarterback who's got sixty million in dead cap for their young rookie, cheap Jalen Hurts? I, I don't know what you do there. I, I don't know if Howie Roseman and Doug Peterson are sitting down now with some Baileys and coffee and saying, what the H do we do about this? Because I think the right move, if you're taking the business hat off, is just to say, hey, we got to take the numbers out of this, you know, the the money numbers out of this and put the football numbers first and say, when this guy's on the field right now, we have a a, a worse chance of winning. It's just a fact. He's making too many mistakes. Something's in his head. Whether the injuries have piled up to the point of where he has lost the ability to go rogue to some degree. You know, he's too safe and predictable, clearly. Um, I don't think I'd play him the rest of the year. I really wouldn't. He's got an injury guarantee on, a, on his 2022 salary, right? Which is going to lock in next March for the most part, 15 of the 22. Uh, I, it's just a nuts contract. It's an awful situation. Take a look at the, at the deal on spot track. I've got it kind of bulleted out as much as possible, but I wouldn't want to be that coach is my point. Um, and if you go across the league, you know, positively Joe judge and that staff, the defensive coordinator, Patrick Graham, I believe his name is ripped off five straight wins for the giants, bad division starting to beat real teams. Now though, Seattle yesterday, clearly there's coaching that has shifted forward there. Um, Brian Flores and that entire Miami staff shifted forward. No question that they have taken. And we're going to talk about the, the dolphins quite a bit here because they were free agent buyers. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to here to tell you with Scott that that's generally not a good thing, right? I mean, that is just the numbers don't bear out. If you're buying heavy, it's because you're starting from a, from a low place. The dolphins were in a very low place last year and they're just not anymore. And it has to do with coaching. Brian Flores is now comfortable in his skin down there. And he has a staff around him that probably buys into the system, if not has made that system better. I'm not even sure to where Tua fits in that system right now. And I don't, I think that's a whole separate conversation. I feel like this is just a trial run for him. 
similar to how Kyler Murray's first year was kind of a blur. We don't really remember it. It was just kind of he was there and he was a high pick. So we have to give him the benefit of the doubt. That's how I feel with Tua. I'm not sure he's a factor in Miami right now. He is kind of a placeholder. And year two is going to be a big one for him, clearly. But I have faith because of what that coaching staff has done. You know, you stay in that division. Holy cow with Bill Belichick. Seriously, holy cow. He finally got a draft pick right in Damian Harris. And the players that have showed up defensively, haven't opted out, didn't leave for free agency. There were quite a few. Oh, by the way, they went to the Dolphins and the Lions. <laughs> Almost all of them. Um, they're playing just balls out for this guy. Truly. That, that, that defense has played some magnificent games. No better than yesterday, obviously, with a 45-point shutout. Something that I think it's the biggest shutout in almost 40 years. That's crazy. (laughs) Uh, This is not a good team. This is a an okay team with a great coach with some smart players and a good secondary and they know they can stop you deep. So it's a matter of guys up front in the trenches doing the the dirty work and they have been and Balchek has been the cheerleader for that and the genius behind obviously the special teams. That's been a long time. Uh, you know, you know, win for him. He has beaten teams with special teams before. He beat the Chargers yesterday in the first quarter because of special teams and defense. So, uh, that's coaching. That's the, that's not a winning team on paper, no question about it. But that is coaching. The Jets are the Jets because of coaching. Uh, you know, Sam Darnold hasn't got his due diligence because he has not had a coach who has been able to lift him up or put him in a system. Or, or quite frankly, a GM in a front office that have been able to put players around him to, to allow him to eat, at least attempt to succeed. That's coaching. Okay? It's, it's pretty darn evident. You know, we've got a Monday night game tonight with Sean McDermott and Kyle Shanahan. And I think a lot of people are swinging towards San Francisco tonight, truly, because that's kind of a misfit team right now because of tons of injuries, tons of injuries. And we all kind of believe Kyle Shanahan can still get the job done. Even Nick Mullins is quarterback versus Josh Allen. We just kind of think, hey, defensively speaking, and, and with the run game, which is, it's December, folks. We've talked about this a lot. That's sort of the recipe. Now, maybe Buffalo can match that. Buffalo's defense is certainly, you know, adequate, if not above average at times. You know, they've had a bit of a down year. And they can run the ball, but it's game planning. And I, I just kind of think... When you, when you look at the coaching performances around the league, look, Matt Patricia out, Detroit goes big against Chicago, against one of the, supposedly one of the best defenses in the league. But the Bears coaching let them down. They've let them down quite a bit this year and over the past two, three seasons. That, that right there, that's the dynamic. Lions fire their coach and GM. They've got interim people manning the ship, but probably listen to a lot of veteran players many of whom came in from free agency, like I said. And they righted that ship immediately. That was, it was almost like they were locked up in a cage and Matt Patricia was fired and the Lions came together in a meeting and said, uh, you know, messed up meeting and said, okay, time to push through now. You're right. Uh, the, the, the weight is off of us. Let's push through this thing. We've got a division rival. Let's go get this thing. They were, that was the best performance we've seen of them all year. No question. And the Bears trending downward. We'll talk about them maybe in a different show. I've got a whole layout for the Bears that's worthy because of the quarterback conversation and the rest of that team. But that's coaching. That's that's good versus bad right there. That's what that is.
just kind of something to keep an eye on right now. Because yes, the quarterback is important, and I'm going to write 10,000 words about him, you know, every couple of weeks here, and certainly speak to him here on the microphone. But is this team coach ready, front office ready, personnel ready for a quarterback? Houston, perfect example, right? I mean, Deshaun Watson is a sneaky MVP candidate on a on a team that will never let him win that that award ever. He has been consistently elite for seven weeks now, seven in a row, including yesterday. He was great. No Will Fuller for the rest of the year, of course. You know, they lost the cornerback as well, the PEDs. The organization as a whole is a bit of a disaster zone, you know, with the trades, with the gigantic contract, with whatever you're going to do, you know, with the Bill O'Brien era, fine, but they're moving on and that's a mess. And the only way they're going to be able to fix that mess is free agency or trades because they don't have a first round pick. They're going to have to swing hard on, on their middle picks this year, you know, their mid round picks, and they can do some damage there, but they're going to be paying a lot of money for not a lot of wins. And that's a tough spot to be in. If you're Deshaun Watson and you just locked in a gigantic contract, that's coaching. Their coach is already gone. Okay. So it's really one of those undersold things maybe not in all the sports, but notably in the NFL. And I'm not just looking at head coaches. This is a staff thing. You can have a good head coach, but if you lack in any of your major areas, even special teams, as we saw yesterday with the Chargers, you're going to get pounced. You know, the good teams with the great coaches are going to be able to get you. They're going to be able to identify the weakness and pounce on that weakness. So it's a difficult sport. It's a strategic sport. And the players have to be up to the task. The front office has to be able to put the right kind of players together to match a system, the system that comes from a coaching staff. It starts there. And I feel like it hasn't been more evident in 2020 than this week. And we're not even done yet. We've got three more games to go. So, um, you know, we're going to be talking probably about this with Dallas. No question. Versus, you know, who knows? Mike Tomlin's the coach of the year right now. You know, he's going to play on a short week with being bounced around so much, but the personnel is there. The Steelers know exactly who they are because Mike Tomlin has established a a strategy and a system to allow, you know, similar to what Sean Payton has done, similar to what Belichick has done. You know, it's, it's man in man out. I know exactly what that left inside linebacker needs to do for us. Let's go out and find three or four candidates who can fill that role because I don't want to pay that guy $11 million. We're not paying an inside linebacker $11 million. Let's swap this out. Go find me a guy with this, this, and this, and this, you know, these metrics. I'm sure it's crazy analytical based um, because they, they absolutely have honed their system to perfection. That's what that's coaching matters. And I almost think we're to a point now where Coaches aren't being given enough time to establish this. It's almost like you got to come in with your final draft ready to go week one. And by week eight, if it's not working, like literally working in eight weeks, not only is social media killing you and the, and the, and the news killing you, you know, but your fan base is, is revolting and your front office really feels like they have, or your owner feels like they have no choice, but to at least consider moving on from you. It's too quick. It's too quick. Uh, longevity matters in this league. Andy Reid has just moved his system from team to team. That's great, you know, and I don't know what it is about Andy Reid that, you know, teams just refuse to keep him long term. He's had some nice stints, but it's kind of ridiculous that he's not a one team guy to be to be quite frank with you. But this stuff takes some time to matriculate, some time to percolate. 
And we're pulling the leash too quick on a lot of these guys, in my opinion, because there's some smart team, smart coaches out there. You know, San Francisco is going to take a big step back this year. And they may next year as well if, when they, because they, if they ch- make a quarterback change, maybe have to move some pieces for cap purposes. You know, they may not be the same San Francisco team we saw last year for the next two years here. They're not going to punt on Kyle Shanahan, okay? Because this guy, he has shown almost immediately that his system has effectiveness. So if he gets t- can take some time, even with not as great personnel, to massage this thing, okay, and, and bring it to the next level and the coaches around him, which, oh, by the way, he's not letting go. He's doing his, his damnedest to make sure those guys don't get jobs elsewhere. He's going to have trouble again this year, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But he's trying to make sure he can keep that continuity there so that year by year, his system gets better and they get they understand more how to replace pieces because it's not about keeping 52 guys together for 10 years. That's just not going to happen. You know, not even close. Not even half of that's going to be possible. So, you know, what, what five, six, eight positions or roles can we keep long-term, you know, your Kittles, your Trent Williams, possibly. Um, but then from there, you know, what is our left cornerback to us? What is our free safety to us? What is our edge, edge rushers? You know, they're going to swap out D Ford, my opinion, and a couple of those big pieces. And they've already done this. We've seen San Francisco make some smart moves, some smart decisions, Richard Sherman, they're going to trade that for a younger contract this year. Most, most likely. Um, it's about system, but it's about longevity, polishing, letting things mature, letting coaching staffs come together so they can all understand how this thing has to work. But also, and you know, we're at the time of year where where my head is about free agency draft roster bubbles, extensions, you know, who stays, who goes, what position is uh, of needs are out there for certain teams. I'm sure that's where a lot of GM's heads are right now. They're already moving towards 2021, you know, and letting the, the, the football play itself out for the rest of this season. But it's a, it's a process to understand and then to go and replace and find candidates. Who's going to be on the free agent market? Who's going to be available via trade? Which teams are in cap hell that are going to need to move on for some pieces? It's a unique year, but it's, it also means more availability, in my opinion, for teams that have cap space. The Patriots the Jets, the Jaguars, you know, the Browns to some degree, especially if they make a couple of cap casualty moves themselves. So it's an interesting dynamic. It's about a system though. I didn't even mention Kevin Stavansky and and those Browns. We're going to get to them a little bit with the free agent talk with Scott, but coaching, that's a team that was built to win literally on paper. I mean, that's a fantasy team for a lot, you know, for a lot of us out there in terms of Baker and Chubb and Hunt and Odell Beckham and Landry and now Hooper and, you know, to some degree in Joku, there's a lot of players on the offensive side of that ball. And they did a really nice job defensively to draft and now add some pieces in free agency and and via the trade. They're, they're a very potentially built team. They they haven't been coached up. Now there's an adequate, maybe above average coach there. And he brought a staff with him that knows what the heck they're doing. And it has been, immediate impact. Now, maybe they're not ready. Maybe they're around one exit this year, but I have a lot of faith in that team long-term now because of what this coaching staff has shown that their system fits the fits the mold, fits the current players. Maybe they swap out one or two this off season, but that's exactly what we're talking about right there. You know, to a certain degree, Miami and, and Cleveland personnel was there or they went and got new personnel and they brought in coaching staffs and systems that fit the needs perfect example. So keep an eye on it. Last four weeks here, um, you know, who stays, who goes, let's start at the top. Let's start at the coaching staff, maybe even the GMs, 
You know, I don't think anyone in that Chargers organization is long for 2021 after what we've seen, but I could be wrong. All right, let's bring in Scott and uh, talk some numbers here. All right, Scott, welcome back. Happy Monday. How much football did you watch this week? Uh, I was in and out. I watched as much as I could. Okay. Um, <laughs> between trying to get presents and stuff wrapped hmm. to ship all over the uh, up north from where we are and getting other things situated, I, I was in and out. I caught as much as I could, though. All right, let me recap you. It was crazy. Um, my open today was about coaching. Okay. And because I think it's going to be undersold to some degree. I mean, it's easy to sit here and talk about quarterbacks or bad defenses or, or whatever. But I, I just have a feeling that there's going to be a lot of reactions to what happened this weekend from a front office standpoint, from a personnel standpoint. And, you know, it's not a coincidence that I'm, you know, engulfed in quarterback carousel articles and extension articles. And then I'm going to switch quickly to roster bubble, bubble articles and we're all going to be moving kind of our heads towards 2021. And I feel like there's maybe seven to eight organizations that have already done that as well, truly. And I'm not here to tell you that the Jets players tanked. That never happens. Players don't Mm -hmm. tank. GMs tank. GMs in front offices get together and say, all right, we're going to pull the the plug on these five players and replace them with these five players. And that's going to make us 50% worse. And that's just a fact that happens in basketball. You know, it happens a lot in basketball (laughs) and uh, it's certainly happened with a couple of organizations here, you know, the Jaguars and the Jets being one of them. What's funny is we've got this carousel of quarterbacks, Scott, in this article that you, we can we can look to on the website now. And I mentioned in the open that, you know, it's been about it's about four days old and like half of it hasn't age, aged very well. <laughs> um, if you quickly browse through that article and you're looking at the quarterbacks that I'm referencing, Obviously, the one to start with is Wentz. I, I'm sure you didn't yeah. see much of that game, if any of it. You're probably uh, hearing what you're hearing. Yeah, I saw I saw Hurts uh, come in and play. Okay, so we know nothing about Hurts. I mean, I mean, you can't sit here and evaluate Jalen Hurts as a quarterback in the, in the NFL right now, but we can do that with Wentz. And then, of course, there's you know, everybody's sort of poo poos the fifty nine million dollars of dead cap because it's hard to understand and. That's that's wrong. It's the only reason Carson Wentz is, is playing football right now for this team. Truly. Yeah, it is the only reason he hasn't been benched. Every other organization benches Carson Wentz right now. Um, if the contract doesn't exist in the, in the form that it does. What do you do if you're Doug Peterson and you're Howie Roseman and you're this Philadelphia front office? They kind of just went through this with Elshon Jeffrey to a smaller degree. They don't want Elshon Jeffrey in this team, but the structure of his contract which a lot of people can air quotes call creative. You know, that's how the Philadelphia they're so creative with almost all of their major contracts. It's biting them in the ass right now. Very much. So do you have, do you have to play him or can you just swallow your pride and sit this guy knowing how much you're paying him to sit? I think at this point you have to swallow the pride and, and see what you haven't hurts, especially in these last few games. I mean, you, you drafted him. Uh, you want to see in real time mode. You got to see a little bit yesterday. I think he was like 50 percent in completions, touchdown interception, if I remember correctly. Uh, so I, I think if you feel that you're not going to win those games with Wentz, 
uh, for the remaining of the season, then you've got to see what you've gotten hurts because if hurts is your future and you can see progression over the next four games, then it, it, it may be that Philadelphia realizes we got to move on somehow. And if not, then Wentz is going to be the highest paid backup next season, but they've got to take a, take a chance and see what they have. It hurts, uh, especially in real game mode against real other opponents instead of just, you know, their own team and practice squad. So I'll play devil's advocate a little bit because I just mentioned how, you know, there are a lot of teams focusing on 2021. Why shouldn't that be Philadelphia? Why would, why would the point be to try to win? Correct. They're, they're the number six pick in the draft right now. So if they continue down their slide, you know, they're going to leapfrog Dallas to, for fifth. The Chargers might win some stupid games. They could get themselves to the number four pick. I, I think that's the right move. Because it's, it's, it's very obvious that they just don't have a quarterback problem. And maybe they can fix that problem with Jalen Hurts. You know, mm-hmm. so internally, they probably know a lot more than obviously we know about what kind of player Jalen Hurts is. Now, they haven't had many practices. They certainly didn't have an offseason with them. So they were they were sort of robbed of that. I, I guess my point is this. I, I would play Wentz out the, the rest of this year. And the only factor that, that would that would slow me down from that is that he's got an injury guarantee in 2022. But, you know, unless we, it's an Alex Smith type injury where he's going to miss 18 to 24 months, that doesn't even scare me. He's already fully guaranteed next year, fully guaranteed. And at this point, I don't think he's tradable to you. And that's the only way out of the contract. No, I don't think he's tradable at this point. I, I think so. So know, let me so let me let me push back on that again. Then, if he's not tradable right now, don't you have to try to see if he can be tradable? That's another reason to play him. Now you don't want to win <laughs> for draft purposes, but winning with Carson Wentz might make him tradable. That's a good point, right? So there's like that, 97 that ways point. to look at this, but I think they all include Carson Wentz finishing the year. Put him out there. Yeah, you need Philadelphia would need his stock to rebound as much as it can in the remaining four games. Yeah. Um, So I I get that. Also, you know, Hertz is on a second round contract. Oh, it's nothing. In the event, in the event that they they play Hertz, keep Wentz. You know, the two the two contracts are just going to average out to two, yeah. you know, middling. If you want to play devil's advocate that way, you know, it, the, the average is going to be somewhere in between those two. And it's going to count for, you know, two average type players at this point, And it just w- will be a wash. I, I agree with what you're saying. I, I agree with what I'm saying as well, where you got to see what you haven't hurts, especially like you said, they haven't had the practices. They haven't had the off season that they usually have to see what they really having him so they're going off of whatever they can they got a little bit of a snapshot yesterday he gets real speed real nfl game speed um so it it, it's a coin toss you know maybe they split the difference maybe you you go back to wentz for two games and if he just isn't cutting it then you play wentz the last two games and you go from there so that's the option i wasn't going to throw out there is do you play them both do you start doing treat treat it as 
treated as a preseason where first half is so-and-so and just, second half is yeah, so-and-so. Every couple drives, you use Hurts in the Wildcat, whatever you're going to do, you know, Taysom Hill's Drew Brees kind of situation, right? That just look, say, yeah. I, it's, I got to give Peyton credit because you know, that the, the kind of annoying way that he used Hill over the past two and a half years or so, it appears to have been beneficial because Taysom Hill does know this offense and he does appear to be comfortable running, running the show right now. They're well, as good players, with Taysom Hill right now. The saints are as those, good with Taysom Hill. Yeah. And those players, they respect, they know him. That's yeah. right. That's right. There's a, there's a brotherhood to that. You're right. So I guess maybe that might be the safest option. If you're Doug Peterson and the Eagles is to follow the Saints mantra and just start to work hurts in as much as possible. It's going to feel gimmicky, but at the same time, it's going to give him that game game speed experience to some degree, you know, 10% of it maybe, but enough to say, Hey, when we, when we're ready to rip this bandaid off, <laughs> you know, he's not going to be coming in cold. He's not going to be blind to a lot of these situations in these reads. He's going to at least have a handle on some of it. I, I maybe it is the best option because you're right. You add those two contracts together right now and you get $35 million, which is the an elite quarterback. So can you get a an above average quarterback play out of Carson Wentz plus Jalen Hurts? It's ugly. I hate watching it. I hate watching quarterbacks that come in and out, you know, especially in the college level, but we see it a lot down there. I think that might be the play here. Because I don't think he can just outright bench Carson Wentz. To me, that's the that's the last option of of everything we've just said. Uh, but I do think, because, but you know, we're, we're you live in the business world, Scott, and I'm sitting here looking at at the draft order, and I see Philadelphia six. You know, and whether that's mm-hmm. a a new left tackle or whether that's another a new wide receiver, which my goodness, do they need one? It, it's going to be there for them because there's two teams ahead of them taking quarterbacks. And if Philadelphia is not in that in that mindset, if they think Jalen Hurts is at least an, a two-year option for them, then they're going with the best available non-quarterback. Cincinnati's going to take probably a left tackle. I don't know, maybe maybe a defensive t- defensive edge rusher. You know, the Chargers are in the same boat, but the Philadelphia's going to be right there for maybe the best weapon in this draft, which is that's that's intriguing. So. I don't think you want to win many more of these last four games is my point. I think you want to kind of do your due diligence as a franchise, both from a business perspective and from a football perspective. And if they're going to move on from Wentz in a year and, you know, say hurts is their quarterback, you know, now's the time to stock around them because if you already have plans of we're going to move on from Wentz after 2021 and you got to do everything you can to put, uh, players around whoever's going to be at the helm, uh, whether it's hurts or somebody else. It's a great transition, man, because this is where I wanted to go today because I, I have this article of quarterbacks that could move around, but what I didn't do here because I wanted to talk about it out loud with you is I didn't, I didn't kind of put a frame around teams that could actually be ready to handle this kind of quarterback. Like who's ready for Matthew Stafford to come in right now? You know, I don't think there's many teams and that's, that's to your point. You can't just throw a quarterback against the wall and hope that, that he turns your franchise around. You can't do it. You've got to be personnel prepared, system prepared. Um, last point on Carson Wentz, you mentioned 
if and when they get rid of him after 2021. I, just to get it out there, it's going to mean 15 million cash to let him go then. His 2022 salary, 15 million of it guarantees next March. <laughs> so, so even after next year, it's going to hurt to get rid of him. It, it's ugly. It's an ugly quarter, quarter contract. Yeah, and, and I have to it, say, I have to say this. It is not a deserved contract. It, it is not deserved that he gets a fourth year guarantee. The, Aaron Rodgers didn't even get a fourth year guarantee. And I realize Aaron Rodgers hasn't been to the Super Bowl in a long time. And Carson Wentz air quotes has right because <laughs> he was on the bench for it. Um, and that's certainly the Twitter argument that that ensues every single time somebody mentions the word Carson Wentz and, and cut or trade. But it's a very ugly contract when you look at the nuts and bolts. The fact that the team didn't give themselves more outs is disappointing because so many of these teams are leveraging these contracts brilliantly because they have all the leverage. The players have no leverage. So how did Carson Wentz get all this leverage? How, is, how does he have maybe the second strongest quarterback contract in the league right now behind, well, I'll say third, behind Mahomes and Cousins? <laughs> and we'll, we'll, we'll let that hang out there in thin air, but that's, that's kind of how it is right now. Um, it's ugly. I mentioned last night on Twitter, the Rams have to be wiping the sweat off their brow that Jared Goff looks co- at least competent because Jared Goff's situation is worse than Carson Wentz. It's worse. It's more dead cap. It's more guarantees in 2022. It's ugly. So the fact that he's at least playing some, some halfway decent ball, you know, he's got weapons. He's got, he's got a, a, a good right tackle, a really good center. He's got great wide receivers, three good running backs, and he's got a great defense. They paid defensively. They paid for a pass rusher. They paid for a cornerback. They've got a young safety. That's going to get a ton of money that stuff's not an accident. And oh, by the way, they got a great coach. So <laughs> I, uh, it's just not an accident. You know, the fact that Jared Goff is going to succeed again this year after being in a Super Bowl, not, you know, two years ago, it's not an accident. So that's a Rams team that was ready for Jared Goff to some degree. They, they made him sit the year. Then they were ready for him. Who's ready for Matthew Stafford, Scott? Ooh. Great question. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at the list here. Okay. I'm going to give you a, a hint for who, what my guess is by saying this. Let's assume Matt Ryan does not get traded. Because I know where you think Matt Ryan should go. And this is where I now think Matthew Stafford belongs. Hmm. My it's out, two. It's out west. Yeah, they play tonight. For, oh, okay. San Fran. <laughs> I do. I, I, I think that's where Matthew Stafford should finish his career because I think that's the coach he deserves. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. The two that I was going to say was one Denver and two Chicago. Okay, those are great, great teams. Both have to be in this conversation in terms of what we're talking about here. Let's talk about the Bears real quick because they were outcoached yesterday pretty heavily by an interim Detroit coach. Um, I don't know what to do with that team because I think they're going to fire their coach and their GM, which I, I mentioned in the open that, you know, it's not about just just about having good coaching, Scott. 
but it's also about having an ownership that gives coaching time to evolve. If you're looking at yes. what happened yesterday in week 13, and I, we just talked about it with Sean Payton. Sean Payton was allowed to have leeway with, leeway with the Taysom Hill process because he knows, knows exactly what his system is. He knows exactly. Now, he's had to flex it as Breeze, Breeze aged. You know what I mean? You can't do 10% of those plays down the field anymore because of Breeze situation. But now he can slowly start to bring that, that, those back in and, and move back probably to what he was doing six years ago in that Saints offense. But when you know, when your system has matured to a point to where it's almost second nature, replacing players becomes easy. Like, I know exactly what I need out of a left guard, you know, a pulling left guard. Let's just go find, you know, give me three names. Go watch some tape. Give me three names. You know, here's our price point. Let's go get it done. That's what he's now done. I, I, I'm not saying Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace are, are bad at their jobs, but they're certainly not evolved. You know, their system hasn't had time to evolve. Now, that's not fair to Bears fans or the Bears players, but I, it's such a catch-22 because you bring in these young coaches and you expect them to have everything ready to go week one. Boom. This is what we're going to be, and these are exactly the players I need. That's not, that's not possible. Okay, it's not possible to have... It's like, it's like a college coach coming in with a wildcat system, but he's got a pocket passer, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you yes. got to give me three years of recruiting to get this all hashed out. Well, why, do, why doesn't the NFL allow that? Why don't they? Because they certainly don't. I mean, it's no, one and done for a lot of these coaches lately and quarterbacks too. It's almost like everybody's just trying to play until they find lightning in the bottle and then they get they that are. one Super Bowl and then they move on. That's it. That's it. Yep. You know, outside of the Chiefs, who's building for long term here? Nobody. Nobody's building long term. They're building for right now. And then if it doesn't work, we're going to rip the bandaid off and start over next year and try it again. Well, that, that's not it's not pliable. It's not pliable in any sport. And it's why Bill Belichick destroyed the Chargers yesterday. It's why the Saints continue are 10 and two, even though they've been injured and their defense didn't even show up for six weeks. You know, coaches that are evolved. Andy, it's why Andy Reid <laughs> has won everywhere. He's won everywhere. And you can, you know, I know the Super Bowl rings aren't there to boot, but this guy's been winning because he, he believes in his system. He's got coaches around him that know his system and he just sells it to the GM that like, this is what we need. This is how this works. This is what, 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 you know, if this guy gets injured, we plug and play with this kind of, he, he just understands his, his own mindset and is able to convey that to players and, co- and other coaches. What do we do here? What, what, if you're the bears, Okay, the Lions have already ripped the bandaid off. Coach GM gone. Quarterback next, most likely. The Bears have a Trubisky on an expiring, Foles on a, on a cheap guarantee over the next two years, and I think their coach and GM are about to get fired. They paid a ton of money for their defense. They, they probably should pay their wide receiver, Allen Robinson. What do you do? Where are the Bears right now? I mean, if they fire both and move on from quarterbacks, they're they're in a reset mode. Right. And you hope that you can bring in someone that is going to I mean, at five and seven, you're you're hoping that you can, you know, sort of on the fly, do what you need to to bring in the handful of pieces that are going to um, let me add, let, let me add this, co- let me add this as you're speaking. They're also the 13th pick right now. 
So, they are. So they're not going to get a top quarterback. No, not at so all. So I just wanted to make sure that was in part of your conversation. Go ahead. Yeah, so I, I think they're, they're in a position where if they can do their due diligence, get a GM and a, a head coach and, and their staff that, you know, sort of on the fly can retool the team with just a handful of players and, and you know, the, the pick – 13th pick or wherever they're going to land that they, they and if they make a trade for a quarterback a competent quarterback perhaps you know <laughs> they're not probably going to spend the 13th pick on a quarterback especially like we just talked about with philadelphia you need the you need the pieces around the quarterback to to help them succeed they they have a chance to turn it around quickly we see it with teams because of defense from the bottom to right? the top right because, because the, the defense, defense is ready yes Yes. The, 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 the next thing I'll say is if you look at the bottom eight team, meaning the best eight teams right now, uh, six out of those eight have quarterbacks that have been given time to, you know, uh, perpetuate their, their, sure. their scheme. They're bringing in the personnel. I mean, you've got Pittsburgh and new Orleans that have a head coach that has been there forever. Kansas city with Reed, Buffalo Bills, that was a team that was atrocious. They mm-hmm. brought in a, co- a, a head coach and staff and a GM, and ownership has allowed them to do what they needed to. And now the, the culture of the Buffalo Bills. It's a great and, example, know, Scott. I'm being a homer, but McDermott has completely changed the culture of that team. They brought in, they got rid of all the not only bad contracts, but the pain in the ass players yeah. that were cancers in the locker room and they brought in players that are stand-up guys i mean they they've completely transformed and then you've got the rams who brought in sean McVay. he's been there he's young but they're allowing him to work through and then you have seattle right. who's had pete carroll forever you're so, right with the rams though because it hasn't been smooth sailing and even, even this year every time. other week's kind of a new roller coaster ride and that's exactly right sean McVay's not going to get fired the, the Rams could go four and, and and 12 next year and he's not getting fired because they believe, you know, that personnel plus his system can work. Maybe we just have the wrong personnel. That's what the, that's what you do. And I, I wish there was more of that in the league. I wish there was more of that in the league. Why can't the Bears just admit, hey, the Nick Foles, Mitch Trubisky decision was was bad. We missed. OK, our bad on this one. We're going to fix this one. All right, we're, we're going to go and swing. Here's the problem. <laughs> I wrote this gigantic piece on quarterbacks. I can't find one quarterback here I want for the Bears. Not one. <laughs> what the heck do they do? Do they trade for Carson Wentz? Mm. Chicago would revolt. Yeah, they would. They would. And at 13, if there's a quarterback, you, you either have to hope that a quarterback that you really love falls, or you're going to have to move up five spots, or you know, six or oh, seven spots to get. They who can't you want. do that again. And then that's and the Trubisky right. conversation. <laughs> but you're the right, only, though. But the only, you know, the only saving grace is after the Jets in Jacksonville. You know, Cincinnati doesn't need a quarterback. You know, the Chargers don't need a quarterback. Dallas, we know that situation there. Yeah. And then you're down to Philadelphia, whatever they do. If they don't take a quarterback, then you're at Carolina. You're probably not drafting a quarterback there with Bridgewater. Uh, Atlanta, whatever you do with Matt Ryan, he's probably there, I would have to guess. 
The ninth pick that's right now goes to Miami. They're not going to take a quarterback. They're going to stick with Tua for right now. Yeah. And then you're at Denver and, and Washington and Detroit and Chicago. So maybe the third best quarterback falls that far. But we know how the NFL draft works. There's going to get you know, sniffs of this quarterback is going to rise. Yeah. And there's going to be a team or two who's going to trade with Cincinnati or the Chargers or Dallas to move up to take that third quarterback. But, you know, we've seen it in the past. It's getting more expensive to move up even two or three picks, to, especially in the first round. So Chicago would have to probably, you know, give up their farm to move up to a quarterback that they may want to take with the limited playing and limited scouting that they're going to get from the the college ranks right now um so it, it, they they have to have their giant big board and just work out every scenario but you're right it, the the first part is going to have to come to coaching in the gm because if you look at like i just said all the teams that are the best records right now they have a GM and a head coach and staff mm -hmm. that are, uh, they're, they're tenured. They, they've been given the time and they've been able to, uh, make their scheme work over years instead of just, all right, one year, two year, and then you're out. That, that just doesn't work. No, it doesn't work. Free agent quarterbacks. I got a list here where I've, I've started to kind of evaluate the top, free agent signings from 2020. It's ugly pretty much all the way down this sheet in terms of, you know, your, your major signings at every position where they kind of rank according to pro football focus, which you can take that with a grain of salt, but also just what, what their team's record is right now. Now um, let's preface it. If you're spending big in free agency, probably could just sucked last year, right? <laughs> I mean, that's not rocket science, right? But, you know, there were four uh, phenomenal quarterbacks that signed free agent contracts. Uh, they're phenomenal quarterbacks. I, at one point in time in their career, they were all phenomenal quarterbacks. You know, Brady's seven and five. He's the sixth ranked quarterback according to pro football focus. I don't know if I agree with that, but I get it. He's efficient. Um, Bridgewater. This is the one I wanted to focus on because we, we scratched our heads at this one over the summer, Scott, because, uh, you know, I'll say it again. They brought in a $63 million quarterback. They signed a $64 million running back. Then they signed Robbie Anderson, two for 20 to go with Moore and Samuel already capable wide receivers. They had a bunch of, they had, they had a retirement in Keekley. They lost a ton of defense, so we knew they weren't going to be good. Vegas had them all the way down at the bottom. Yeah, they did. Betting odds to be the worst team in football. But they were making a $63 million investment in a quarterback in free agency. New coach. Coach bringing a college system to the, to the NFL. Highly regarded, highly respected. Impactful coach. If McCaffrey and Bridgewater don't get injured this year, McCaffrey twice now, I don't think Carolina's 4-8. and eight. I think they're at least six and six and yeah, turning heads. So this one's interesting to me because if, if that flips, let's say that they deserve to be six and six, you've got Brady seven and five 
Bridgewater asterisk six and six, Philip Rivers eight and four, and Cam Newton six and six and trending up. I mean, Cam Newton, uh, uh, that might be an eight and eight team. I, I think New England's going to be eight and eight after Cam, you know, injured, COVID, and then all the other Patriots opt out slash free agent losses. Belichick's got to be in the coach of the year conversation. I know he's not going to win it, but he's got to be in the top five now. Just absolutely slaughtered Anthony Lynn yesterday from every every <laughs> angle. Um, but I don't know that Cam Newton comes back to the Patriots. He had 69 passing yards yesterday, by the way. I know he had three touchdowns, but he had 69 passing yards. I don't think Cam Newton could throw the ball. Now, New England's kind of used to that because Tom Brady really couldn't throw the ball downfield either. So what do we do with Cam Newton? Because if Cam Newton becomes available again, I, I guess the Bears have to at least consider this. I'm trying to get it back to Chicago. They have to at least consider this, right? Where they are? Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. I mean, that, that I don't, I don't even know what to say anymore about this because I, I Cam's winning games. I feel like anybody could win games in that New England system right now. Belichick just has it so refined. You know, we, we wrote this article. It's been kind of a trending thing around the league that this quarterback carousel could happen. And that's why I wanted to address it today on the microphone, Scott, because I'm just not sure how much of this is actually going to happen. Truly in a down cap year where yep. there's a lot of bad teams in football, really bad teams. Like it's, it's not a, there's not a great team and there's not a and there's not, you know, a, a lot of contending teams. They're all just kind of hanging there right now. And the bears are one of them and the lions are one of them. And you know, the giants are good, but not great. And Carolina probably deserves to be better. It's it, the Raiders kind of in the middle there. The, the Vikings kind of in the middle there. It's just a weird year. It's got to be an awful position to be a GM right now, heading towards 2021 with this with this money situation, not understanding fully where to how to handle your team going forward. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. And I'm looking at Chicago here. They're five and seven. Their streak is they've lost six, which means they were five and one at one yeah, point. Man. So you you've got to attain six straight losses to, you know, it's going to fall on the head coach. The, at that point, the GM has brought, already brought in the players that, you know, are, are on the field for the most part at, at this juncture. So everything has to go to co- coaching. Same with the Chargers, you know, not to sidetrack, but the, the coaching has just been atrocious week after week, especially in the special teams. You know, and it was atrocious yesterday with special teams. But Chicago, yeah. they were at one point five and one and now they're five and seven and and the coach is going to have to fall on that sword. Um, but that middle of the pack and that middle of the pack is, you know, it, it's all over the place. You have Atlanta who yeah. is on an interim head coach. You have That's a good point. Uh, Denver who, who knows what they're going to do. Uh, they may stick or not. Washington has a new head coach, so you know he's not going anywhere. Detroit's already fired their head coach and GM, so they're in the mix for somebody new. You have Chicago, where we're probably saying they're both going to get canned. San Francisco at five and six, they, I, I would, for all intents and no, they're stable. To say they're stable with the head coach. So Scott, this know, is a great point because let's say Chicago does decide to fire both. You just mentioned three, four other teams that are in the same boat. Houston, right? Houston. 
Well, there's not going to be enough good coaches and GMs to go around. So well, unless you're it, the best, worst team, right? If you're if you're not the most attractive destination for for the best available coach slash GM, don't fire your current coach and GM. Don't do it. Well, this is where I was going. You have the worst two teams, the Jets and Jacksonville, and they have committed to keeping their head coaching staff for the remainder of the year as of right now because they want to tank and they want to have essentially <laughs> the worst record. Whereas you have these other teams that midseason have decided to get rid of their head coaching staff. And I said this weeks ago, if you want to, you want to continue to stink, don't get rid of your head coach midseason because you're going to bring in a different mindset, a different culture. And we're seeing that sort of, you know, you got Atlanta and Detroit in the middle there and, you know, Houston for what they are. But <laughs> the, the Jets in Jacksonville, they have decided they're going to keep their head coaching staff. They've already said Marone is going to be there until the end of the season. The Jets just might as well keep Gase because they're they haven't won a game and they're going to get the number one pick at this point. But if they win, then they're competing with Jacksonville and then it goes the tiebreaker. So teams need to just realize, you know, if we're going to suck, suck all the way. <laughs> and not not only that, and, and that's obviously a way to look at it. But is it is our coach really our problem? That too. I. I I have a sneaky suspicion that, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I bet the turnover on coaching is exponentially higher over the past 10 years. And it's not because football changed. It's not because the hard cap made things more difficult. Yes, those, those probably are both true, but I blame Twitter. Yes. I blame the ability for fans to make so much noise instantaneously on demand that front off that owners who are sitting there with good scotch, you know, kind of taking it all in, feel a massive amount of pressure to make a change just to please the fans. their customers, you know? And that's obviously for a lot of reasons, there's merit to that, but it's wrong for the game. It, it is wrong to stop an evolution, you know. Uh, uh, it, it's look, I'm not saying that anything the Bears have done over the past 10 years has been good. It hasn't been. All right, they haven't had a quarterback in four decades, truly. So whatever they want to do, if they want to keep trying and trying like the Browns, have, you know, whatever it takes, do it. Draft one and sign one every damn year. Do it. Uh, you know, sign Cam Newton, draft one at number 13, whatever you're going to Just keep trying because it, it does matter that much. But you're right. They were five and one and they were five and one with Nick Foles. Am I wrong? That was actually half yeah. Trubisky, wasn't it? it? It was. It was a mix of both. At some point, <laughs> Foles did come in, but I mean, they were five and one. I mean. Now they they weren't beating good teams, but they were beating the teams they were supposed to beat. You know, similar to what the Browns did to start the year. Isn't that enough to say, hey, maybe we're okay here? We we got some injury bugs. What did we do wrong? Let's reevaluate this thing instead of blowing everything up. Instead of trading three first for Dak Prescott. You know, like you're going to hear some people say they should do because that's what, you know, that's what Twitter is. It's a it's a feces farm. Um, instead of going that big, which they did for Cleo Mack, by the way, they did. They've already done this. So they're invested to some degree already with that with that move. How about we just kind of see how this thing evolves one more year? I understand going eight and eight is pointless for the long term. 
it's pointless. Doesn't get you a good draft pick. Doesn't get you in the postseason. Doesn't get you. Doesn't make you a contender. But they did invest in Nick Foles. There is there is some guarantee left in his contract. Just throw him back out there. Go and draft somebody else. Go and sign some competition. Do whatever you got to do. But don't rip this thing up. You know, don't 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 start from square one because you're not ready to start from square one. You've got too much money in Cleo Mack. You've got too much money on that defensive side of the ball as a whole to go all the way back down with a new coach, new GM, new quarterback. So many teams, and that's that's the conversation I wanted to end with here, Scott, and you kind of alluded to it. Atlanta, so they're crazy invested all over the board. Like They need nine defensive players, but they're paying so much money to so many players, and now they're starting over. And there's a GM who's going to come in and see, and see what Thomas Dimitrov has done for a long time and say, how do I start? How do I make this my team? That's that's awful for that organization. It's awful. Now, yes, fresh eyes, you know, better personnel. At some point in time, they're going to be better. But you can't just rip, rip, rip away Julio Jones, Matt Ryan, you know, everything that you've done because it's going to, it's going to affect you. They're either going all the way down with like 75 million a dead cap, which, you know, the Bills did it. The, the Rams did it. The, the, there have been some success stories in doing that. The Dolphins. Or they're just going to kind of continue on this path. That can work too. That can work too. But there's like 12 teams right now mm-hmm. that are in that boat. And that's the mess that the NFL is in right now. They don't have, yeah, maybe Kansas City is a clear favorite. People even hate Pittsburgh right now. <laughs> there's a lot of people who don't even like the 11 and 0 team right now because of for whatever reason. And oh, by the way, Ben might retire. Smith Schuster might walk in free agency. Connor might walk in free agency. Who knows what's going to happen with the defense that's been banged up now to two ACL injuries. Uh, you know, are they going to sign Micah Fitzpatrick? That's not a long-term team by any means. Baltimore, who knows now? Not a long-term team. They're in the middle of the pack right now. And like you said, there's four or five teams that have already fired their coach and slash GM that generally when that happens, it means they're going all the way to the bottom. I just don't know if that's the case. The Bears shouldn't be one of those teams. The 49ers should not do that. You know, they're getting themselves into holes they can't get out of because there's just not enough quarterbacks, coaches, and GMs to go around unless you start pulling from the college. You know? Yeah. Great point. Yep. Okay. Real quick. Let's run through some of these free agents. You just give me a thumbs up, thumbs down with your your mouth, I guess, (laughs) Um, because this is audio. The running backs. Holy cow. Did this not work out, huh? Oh man, that's brutal. Okay, so the best, the top running back contract in free agency this past year was Melvin Gordon, two for sixteen, half half guaranteed. Melvin Gordon's not even the best running back on his team. He, they're the Denver's four and eight. He's the fifty-first ranked running back according to both Pro Football Focus. Mm. Jordan Howard's already been cut. He was the second highest running back contract. Todd Gurley is had a nice year, but he's the 64th ranked running back according to before. So he's a one trick pony right now. Yep. Wide receivers. Randall Cobb. <laughs> Randall Cobb was the highest wide receiver contract in free agency this offseason. I don't think he knew going in that he was going to be one of the most important wide receivers on that team because they traded DeAndre Hopkins. You know, he's the 48th best wide receiver according to Buffalo focus. Houston's a mess, even though their quarterback is phenomenal. Manuel Sanders really hasn't done much. You know, although that Saints team is just kind of ticking along. Robbie Anderson's one of the best free agent signings of the entire year. 
And that's another, I mean, you put Bridgewater and Anderson and a couple more of these moves in and you look at Carolina. Carolina is a team I bet on next year. That's what they are. Carolina is mm-hmm. a team that feels like it's an instantaneous upgrade at the coaching position, which is counterproductive to everything we've just said. But there was a bidding war for Matt Rule. Carolina won because they've got an owner who, who's a good zillionaire. <laughs> and uh, I, I would put some stock into Carolina knowing what they can do this offseason, especially knowing that they might have a high draft pick too to go with yeah. all of this. Yeah. Um, so Robbie Anderson's a win. The tight ends were kind of good. Austin Hooper really hasn't. I mean, he's been injured a little bit, but that Cleveland team is really starting to push. I can't believe I'm saying this, but Jimmy Graham's actually worked out to some degree for Chicago, even though they are, <laughs> even though they signed Graham and then drafted a high, high tight end. Oh, maybe they should, Ebron. maybe they should fire the GM. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Eric Ebron. Yeah, I like that. He hasn't even, he, he hasn't been as impactful as I thought he was going to be. They also haven't needed him to be as impactful because that Pittsburgh team is deep and Mike Tomlin just yep. knows what he's doing. The offensive linemen have worked out. This, this is something to keep an eye on because I've been I've been monitoring this over the past three, four free agencies every single year. Good free agent offensive linemen walk because for some reason teams just refuse to pay. Look, I'm in the mindset. I've been, I'm, I'm working on an extension article right now that should drop in the next couple of days. One one extension candidate per NFL team. I've got four centers on the list. And I'm and I believe it in my heart. <laughs> you got to start paying these offensive linemen. Stop letting them walk. It, it, teams are getting immediately better because you're letting your your right guard walk in free agency. Well, it's happening uh, every year now. You're right, and I'll, I'll go back. Buffalo Bills mm-hmm. signed Mitch, Mitch Morse, and everyone was like, "Oh my God, how did that guy get away yeah. from Kansas City?" And the Buffalo Bills stole him, and it, it's worked out gangbusters for him. It has, it has, and there are teams that can win with young offensive linemen, but there's not many. There's not many. Go and get experienced offensive linemen and pay them good money and work the trenches. It, it is it is so evident right now that teams that can stop the run and run the ball and keep their quarterback standing up are going to win the rest of these games the rest of the year. Speaking of which, defensive linemen, interior defensive linemen, nobody got a splashy contract, and I believe that. I think they are kind of a dime a dozen, but you need a lot of them. They are getting, you know, they're, they're injury prone. It's a tough ass position to be in, but good ones walk every year. So if your team's investing in offensive linemen and defensive linemen, you're probably in a good spot right now. You, 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 it means you're, your weapons are strong. Your quarterback is strong. You've got a good secondary because that's where you're spending a lot of money, especially in free agency. And let's go. Let's skip right down to cornerbacks because, man, I've been doing some deep dives on the Dolphins lately because they're really it's really interesting how quickly that they've turned it around with Brian Flores coaching, right? They're doing all of this with an absolute garbage performance from the top free agent contract of the year. Byron Jones, 82 and a half million. So much of that is guaranteed at signing. The Dolphins are eight and four. They got a legitimate chance at the AFC East right now. And Byron Jones has been just garbage. He's the 81st ranked corner cornerback, according to pro football focus. You know, it's a good thing. His counterpart, Xavier Howard is having a heck of a year because he has been just nothing. Absolutely nothing. That is not the case for the second highest paid free agent contract in terms of cornerbacks, James Bradbury. And boy, was that evident yesterday. The Giants defense finally got their their uh, their coming out party against the Seahawks yesterday, and it has been mm-hmm. a month coming. 
That's five straight wins for the Giants. They did it without Daniel Jones, who's also having a really solid year. Um, look, I got on Twitter heavily last year when the Giants started just gutting their defense. They were cutting players in the middle of the year. They made two massive trades to get players out. They they knew that their defense wasn't worth a, a darn. New coach, new defensive coordinator, just studs. Like, clearly studs. Patriots, they've got a Patriots pedigree. Uh, they know what, what, what they need to do. James Bradbury, by the way, Carolina, right? So this is one that got away from, from the Panthers organization, but I'm in, I'm in on this giants defense because of, because of the coaching that has been brought to this level. It's uh this is a team that's going to be buyers come March, the giants, because they got a young quarterback. They're kind of, they're kind of cheap. They're going to punt on golden Tate and save some money there. They're going to be invested in, in a wide So that's definitely a team that I'm identifying. The Panthers, the Giants. I'd put some stock in them for sure. Free agent wins. Going to have a nice draft pick. Well coached. And uh, sometimes it works out. <laughs> so look at Here's what we know. We know that the longevity matters. And many teams are not allowing for it. That's the point of this entire conversation today. Scott, thanks so much. I'm going to post an article probably with these free agent recap uh, this week. Like I said, I'm working on the extension piece right now. Some really interesting names in the extension article in terms of teams that are in the middle, like we talked about, and should they pay, right? Are there certain positions they shouldn't pay for right now because maybe they're going backwards, not forwards. I'll have that up in a couple of days. Free agent recap. We'll be back on Thursday, probably some NBA. Speaking of free agent recaps, that's probably the plan for the NBA on Thursday's show. And we'll continue to monitor these quarterbacks because every week it's going to be an evolution. You know, if the Lions start to go on a run here, does that save Stafford's job there, even though he's probably overpaid in terms of the cap? Uh, and what happens with Atlanta? Have they taken a step forward enough to keep their core intact with the new regime coming in? Something to monitor for sure. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Giannetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Trick Podcast. Thank you.